St. Paul said, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. Well, I think that you will all agree that with that text, along with the 4th of July holiday coming up, which I see at least one of you has dressed for, good work, today's sermon really had, not saying who it is, today's sermon really had to be about freedom. On the surface of it, you might think that this is one of those areas where the church and the wider culture is in complete agreement. St. Paul's words here could stand up against anything from Patrick Henry or the Declaration of Independence. For freedom, Christ has set us free. I could imagine that on a flag, for instance, couldn't you? It would be easy to get the message that the freedom of a Christian that we celebrate this Sunday and the freedom of an American that we'll celebrate a few days from now are more or less the same thing. In the church I went to growing up in small town North Dakota, that was something like the message I received. We were proud members of the Free Lutheran Church. That was our denomination. By free, we originally meant free from the iron fist of the state church of Norway. I'm sure they were awful oppressors. But by then we'd come to see it more broadly. Freedom was a sacred principle, the right to not have someone else tell you what to do. Of course, up there, we weren't suspicious of northerners or Yankees telling us what to do because there basically wasn't anyone who lived to the north of us. It wasn't that so much as we just didn't like anyone telling us what to do. The 4th of July was our favorite holiday. And some of my favorite childhood memories are from, are from watching the parade on Main Street, all decked out with banners and flags, and the fireworks display on the baseball field later on that day. That Sunday at my church was always Faith and Freedom Sunday. And I confess that I don't remember what any of the sermons were about, Faith and Freedom, I suppose, but I do remember that we sang the national anthem, and the bulletins always had something patriotic on the front, like Mount Rushmore or a bald eagle in flight. It raises a question. Are the freedom of a Christian and the freedom of an American the same thing? The short answer, I think, is yes and no. Yes, insofar as the first part of what St. Paul says here could have been said, uh, minus one word, by Patrick Henry. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Stirring words. But also the answer is no insofar as I think you aren't likely to hear anyone talk about the second part this 4th of July. Namely, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. The first part gets all of the parades and the fireworks. The second part, well, I think that tends to be a little less popular even though a number of the American founders actually would have agreed with it. Someone like John Adams knew that if you only had the first part without the second part, what you'd likely wind up with isn't the wise use of freedom, 
but instead the shallow use of freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. The freedom from other people telling me what to do so that I can do whatever I want. That's why Adams famously said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly unsuited to the government of any other. John Adams notwithstanding, however, that was a long time ago. I think the simple fact is that as time has gone on, the first part of freedom with the parades and the fireworks, let's call it freedom from oppression, has tended to overshadow the second part. Let's call it freedom for. The thing is that the first part of freedom is important. I think it's worth celebrating with parades and fireworks, but we can get so focused on it and so suspicious of anyone who might want to take it away that we lose sight of the second part. We know, don't we, that there are authoritarian tyrants out there who are out to keep us under their thumbs, and so we might become suspicious of all authorities whatsoever. We know, don't we, that there are virtually limitless options available to us as free American citizens, and so we can become afraid of settling on anything in particular. You've probably had the experience of scrolling through all of the cable channels or all of the countless options available on Netflix for so long that you get paralyzed. You can't actually make a choice because nothing seems good enough. And if you choose one thing, you might be missing out on something that's better. Fifteen minutes later, you realize that it's too late and you're too tired to watch anything anyway, and so what you wind up with is nothing at all. I think that's actually the perfect image of what American life is like right now. We have more choices and options than ever before, so many choices that we get paralyzed. We're afraid of anyone who try to restrict our freedom by telling us what to choose, and we're afraid of telling anyone else what they should choose, but we ourselves have no idea what we should choose. My generation and younger have become famous, whether deservedly or not, for not committing to anything. We're delaying marriage and childbirth more than ever before, or just skipping them altogether. We're wary of buying houses, or even cars. And we've apparently perfected the art of ghosting. What does that mean? The news told me that it's Breaking up by someone, with someone, not by telling them that you're breaking up, but instead just by all of a sudden not answering calls or texts or Facebook messages in any way. No commitment. I have to confess to you all, I get the appeal of this kind of freedom. Because my 30-something self, today, with a two-year-old and one on the way, a mortgage and two jobs, sometimes looks back a little jealously at my 20-something self. I was a lot freer then from one angle. And you could say that I'm less free now than I've ever been in my life. I used to be able to do things like take off hiking with friends in the mountains of North Carolina, or go and spend all day somewhere reading a book. And now my free time is mostly limited to the 20 minutes I spend driving into work, when I'm free to listen to whatever podcast I want. If you're a busy parent or have been one, you know that when St. Paul said, through love become slaves to one another, he wasn't kidding. You see, 
That's what love does. The moment you start loving someone, the less free you become. If you start a relationship, you discover pretty soon that you're not free like you used to be. You can't just take off for the weekend, for instance, without asking anymore. And if you tried it, you'd probably get back from the weekend and hear from your your significant other, hey, you know, it's really not cool that you just took off on Friday and went hiking without asking me first. If you answered back, you know, I like this relationship and all, but if it's going to work for me, I have to be free to take off without asking whenever I want. You'd probably be told something like, okay, you're free to take a hike for the rest of your life. How it goes. Love makes us slaves to one another. The paradox is that the greatest, most worthwhile thing in life that freedom is for is love, but that as soon as we truly start to love, we're not free anymore. Part of what this means is that we can be so jealous of guarding our freedom that we never allow ourselves to love anything or anyone. Because we sense somewhere deep down that if we did, we'd have to give up our freedom. But then, what good is that freedom in the first place? What is freedom good for if we don't give ourselves to one another in love? If we don't give ourselves to something all-consuming and good, if we don't dedicate our lives to someone and something that matters, well, we'll just stay there in our easy chairs, scrolling through Netflix and the cable channels forever, never choosing anything, never committing, always keeping our options open, always alone, sort of satisfied with our entertainments and our devices, and then we'll die. I can tell you all for a fact that the joy of playing in the swimming pool this past Friday with our two-year-old was worth all of the freedom in the world. Now, I wasn't free that day to do anything, really, other than work and look after our boy. But I wouldn't be free to become a husband and a father if I had kept my options open forever. After a while, that option wouldn't have been an option for me anymore. The higher kind of freedom is not freedom from, it's freedom for, freedom to love, to make yourself a servant, freedom to love and serve the Lord and to love and serve your family, your church, your friends, and your neighbors. When we follow this path, what St. Paul says we'll find there are the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits not of self-indulgence, but of self-giving, of allowing yourself through love to become slaves to one another. This is the path that our Lord took through this world, and it's a path that included a cross. It will for us too, which is why it's no wonder that so many of us try to avoid it by preserving our freedom. If it sounds too hard to do that on our own, 
That's because it is. The cross-shaped way of love only becomes possible for us in the power of the Spirit as we give ourselves to God in prayer. Christ-like love always gives itself away, like a servant. And the sacrificial giving will at times be painful, but it is only there that real love, joy, and peace are to be found. I think at our best, we of the little Free Lutheran Church in northern North Dakota knew that. A very dear woman I knew from that church, Carol, is dying now. She taught Lord Only Knows how many Sunday school classes and made Lord Only Knows how many dishes for church gatherings at her home. And I count her as one of the women in Christ who helped raise all of us kids in the church to follow the Lord. I owe a lot to her. Her whole life was one of a servant, and it's a life of great beauty. Just last Sunday, she told my mom that she hopes she'll die before their family reunion at the lake later on this summer, so that people don't have to worry about her and can just enjoy being together. Even to the end, she's thinking about everyone else. When Martin Luther wrote his little book titled The Freedom of a Christian, based in large part on Paul's letter to the Galatians, he wrote that a Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. That's the paradox of Christian freedom, perfectly put. A few days from now, I'll celebrate the freedom of an American like everyone else watching the fireworks. But when we do, let's not forget what freedom is for. The freedom of a Christian is the freedom for love. To love the Lord our God and our neighbors as ourselves. And that means the freedom to become the servant of all. Let's pray. O God, who art the, the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom stands our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom. Give to the people of our country a zeal for justice and the strength of forbearance, that we may use our liberty in accordance with your gracious will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.